Amen. Am I live back there? All right. How are we? I'm going to sit down. Is that going to hurt anybody's feelings at all? This is my third round of this, so I am keyed up and ready to go, but I've been running back and forth on the stage for the last one, so I might do that again. <laughs> Just uh, going to rest a moment. Um, so my name's Caleb. For those of you that don't know me, Caleb Hodges is my name. Um, I'm an industrial salesman by day and uh, get to come here and, and be a part of Woodburn Baptist Church. Uh, my wife, Cheryl, and I, that's the best thing about me in case y'all are wondering, um, we get to lead cafe, so we haven't just been skipping out on you guys. We haven't, uh, we haven't been living in sin. We, uh, we are just in cafe most Sundays. So uh, thank y'all so much for having us. I'm gonna be in Acts chapter nine is where we're gonna be. And uh, like I was saying, I, we lead in cafe. And because of that, I always open with a joke. It's usually pretty terrible, uh, but people laugh just for my benefit. Um, so the joke that I had today was how does one train hear that another train is coming its way? With its engineers. Ooh, that was good. That was a good one. That was good. That was good. Y'all write that one down. Um, Alexa told me that last night, in case y'all were wondering. I think she gets tired of telling jokes, so she let Jimmy Fallon start telling the jokes for this month, and uh, I didn't like his jokes, so I went back to her. So uh, we're at Acts chapter 9, a very common, familiar verse for many of us, uh, a passage here, uh, and it's Saul's conversion. I do want to apologize up front that I may use Saul and Paul interchangeably, so just kind of forgive me for that. Um, but Acts chapter nine, we're gonna start in verse one. It says, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them both men and women back to Jerusalem in chains. As, we, as he was approaching Damascus on, the, on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Verse five, who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Verse seven, then the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice but saw no one Saul picked himself up off the ground but when he opened his eyes he was blind so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink um like I said this is a really common scripture this really common passage you see it I can't I can't stay seated too long um we've heard this before you know Many, many pastors have talked about this verse. Uh, I'm hoping to glean something a little bit different from it. And, and I, I really believe that that's something that's incredible about scripture. Um, this book was written thousands of years ago. You know, Old Testament could be as much as 4,000 years ago. Uh, New Testament, you know, around 2,000 years ago. And countless passages, countless sermons, countless songs, but yet we can still find something new. In scripture, and I think that's something that separates it from any other piece of literature. Um, so let's kind of understand this scene. 
make no mistake about it, Saul is a terrorist. He is a terrorist for the Christian walk. He's a terrorist for um, the, the people of the way. And I think that uh, we could preach a whole sermon on why they're called the way. Are they in the way or are they the only way? The, the Christian people are called the people of the way. And uh, I just wanna, just wanna let you think about that for a second, that the people of the way. Um, Saul was actually present. If you look at the chapter before, Saul was present for the stoning of Stephen, the very first martyr of the Christian faith. He was present there. So as the people that stoned him, they laid their coats at Saul's feet, right there at Saul's feet. So he was present for that. He, he was okay with that. He was in favor of that. You know, an interesting thing is that uh, the high priest that he went to get the documents from. So he wanted to get permissions. He wanted to get letters addressed to the people of the synagogue there, the priests of the synagogue. There's no doubt that the high priest would have been totally fine with what he was doing. He didn't need his permission. He didn't need his authority to go and do what Saul was about to do. Instead, Saul wanted it. Saul wanted to have this authority. He wanted to be looked highly upon by the high priest of the time that he was going and doing a, a good thing. Um, I think that's kind of funny because if you, if you look at Saul's name, it's a direct connection to King Saul of the Old Testament. And King Saul was known as a huge, huge man, probably you know bigger than me, head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a big guy. And he was the very first king of the people of Israel, of the, of the land of Israel, very first king. So not only did King Saul have height and stature, but he also had a high position. And I really think that's what Saul of Tarsus, the Saul that we read about today, I think that that's what he was wanting. He was, uh, there's literature that says that Saul was actually a little man. He was a, he was a little person. Uh, one such piece of literature says that he was four foot and a half. So four and a half feet, um, not real big, <laughs> not real big at all. And then we, we also see that, you know, he's, he's probably a small guy, so not, not big in stature, and when he's comparing himself to his namesake, he realizes that he doesn't compare. He doesn't, he doesn't measure up what, whatsoever. So if we look at this passage, kind of dig a little bit deeper, we can assume that Saul is riding on a horse. So he's trying to elevate himself. He's, he's trying to be higher than everyone else. And he has all of these documents that are pertaining to his authority. So he's, he's trying to make himself more than what he is. Um, and my first statement that I would make to you guys today is don't let what you are hide what you want to be. Don't hide who you are behind what you want to be. And I, thanks Greg, you got me, you got me laid out there. So don't hide who you are behind what you want to be. So why do I say that? Why do I, why do I talk about these two different things? Because I think at the core of this message that Saul really had a scale. So he had this scale. He was looking at the law and then he was looking at Christians and he was comparing these two together. He was, he was, dropping, but he was dropping these pieces in the side of the law and giving it all of this weight and all of this importance when the people of the way or the Christians of the time were found wanting. They, they had no, no value to him. Isn't this just like what we do today? Isn't, isn't this 
this scale something that we have in our everyday lives today. We say, well, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough. My, my house isn't big enough. My kids aren't very well dressed. Um, I, I don't have a good job or uh, I'm not as pretty as that person that I see on Instagram. And, and all of these things that just continually go negative, negative, negative and dig myself into this hole. Or you could be the person on the other side and say, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I, I don't do those things. I don't cheat on my wife too much or I don't drink or I don't, you know, I don't look at pornography or I don't do this and I don't do that like, like everybody else does. It's a scale. It's two sides. Or, or my personal favorite is maybe this scale is in your marriage. Oh, everybody's like, oh, don't do that. Don't talk about that. Maybe the scale's in your marriage. Maybe you say, well, I, I vacuumed or I cleaned the dishes or I washed the clothes. I gave the kids a bath and I, uh, you know, I, I painted that project that you've been wanting me to work on for the last year. Um, or, you know, you just keep stacking it and you keep having this thing. There's lots of books that call this a scoreboard. Consider this a scoreboard. And just on a side note, I wanna talk bad about my fellow men in here today because we men are a special species. Women could literally be on their 15th load of laundry. They could be just finishing up bathing the kids. They could be outside repaving the driveway. And us men go out there and go, honey, don't you worry about that potted plant in the living room? I watered it. Don't worry. I got it. Did that for you, baby. I did that just for you. We have this scoreboard, and y'all know that's true. Y'all know I'm right. That these women could be doing anything, and we just try to keep adding up these tick marks. We keep trying to have this scale in our marriage. When in reality, when one person loses, everybody loses. And that this scale is, is, is so not true in our everyday lives. So the, the funny thing about Saul, after this point, he converts to a different name. So Saul is his uh, Hebrew name. Like I say, his namesake is, is directed back towards uh, King Saul. But then from here on, he starts referring to himself by his Roman name. His Roman name is Paul. And he's, he's a, an apostle. He's a, a, a disciple to the Roman Empire and to the people of Rome. So it makes sense for him to be considered by his, his Roman name. But just like we were talking about King Saul and all of his accolades, Paul, the name Paul truly means little, means, means little. And I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful example of how Paul realized that no longer does it have to be about me, no longer am I raising myself up, but it's good for me to be little. And the sight of God and the sight of what I'm doing, it's, it's perfect for me to be little. And so he, he changes his name. Now I want to... Uh, I want to stop right here. And while we're talking about hiding who you are behind what you want to be, I, I know that it's, it's so hard to look at me because I'm so strong and so muscular and just, you know, I'm so chiseled. And you think, man, this guy's just got it all together. His wife is hot. His, you know, he's, he's just got all these things together. But the truth is, this tough exterior is just hiding a scared little kid that feels like he has no business up here on this stage. 
has no responsibility, has no qualifications, and is truly not worthy to be up on here. But I do know that, you know, God called me out and pushed me to be right here in this place. And, um, and I don't want to take any of that attention away, but my, my goal is to get your attention. My, my goal is to do just like Jesus did in this passage when the light shined around him. He said that this light, Paul later says in chapter 26 of Acts, he says that this light was brighter than the midday sun. This light was so bright that it outshined the sun at noon. I mean, that's how, that's how bright it was. And it wasn't like it was cloudy. It wasn't like it was a, you know, a rainy day outside like it is today at, at midday with the sun shining bright. So this powerful, this incredible power comes around him and gets Saul's attention. I hope that it doesn't take that much power to get your attention today because I flat out don't have it. But he got, his attention got by the most powerful being, the most powerful thing in the world. And that it truly blinded him. So we see in verse seven that the men with Saul stood speechless and they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, that he was blinded. So, so far, Saul has been looking through this lens. That's the law. He's been looking through these glasses that shield all of the right, that shield all of the good that's coming from the people of the way, people that are Christ followers. He's been looking through this lens. You know, some may call it the rose-colored glasses. Some may call it all these different things, but he's looking through this lens and how perfect it is that he was blinded. He was blinded. He took away his sight, his current sight that he had, and he stripped all that down so that he could see literally nothing. And we fast forward into the, into the next portion of it where we talk about Ananias and Ananias is, is, is so upset and not really wanting to talk to Saul. He knows who he is, but Jesus says that go to this place and find this person. He is praying to me right now. He's praying to me right now. So he's blinded can see nothing, but he's praying. When was the last time any of us sat in the dark for three days and did nothing, talked to no one but God? When was the last time that we took three hours and sat in the dark and talked to no one but God? When was the last time we took three minutes or even three seconds in the dark, close our eyes and talk to nothing or no one but God. Or just like this scale, we could be on the other side and you could say, well, I've lived in a level of darkness my whole life. I feel like I'm in the dark right now. I'm going through the worst struggle of my life and I've lost someone dear to me. I've lost something important or all of these things, the world that's crashing down on me. I'm in the dark right now. I think it's time to step into the light. We see that the voice from heaven tells Saul, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Christ takes it as a direct, he, he is directly oppressed. He is directly accusing, you are directly accusing him of all of these things in your scale. You're saying, well, I'm not good enough. God said, I made you a masterpiece. You're my masterpiece. You say, well, you know, I've, um, I've done all these things and I'm not as bad as these other people. 
God says, I'm taking responsibility for this. This is me. No matter what side of this scale you're on, if you're just beating yourself up, God created you specifically for a purpose and for a good work. Because if we start saying, well, I'm not good enough, I'm this, I'm that, and just you know, weighing ourselves down on one side, then you're saying that something that Christ created, something that God created is junk, that it has no value. It is not good enough. It's subpar to the rest of the world. And we know God doesn't make junk. Or if you're raising yourself up and you're putting yourself on this pedestal, you realize that you're taking responsibility for what Christ did. Not what you did, not what you're capable of, but what Christ is capable of, what he did. And I wanna tell you that Christ's creation can't be compared. If y'all have ever watched any of my sermons, I like the alliteration, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's where all these come from. But Christ's creation can't be compared because he made you special. He made you for a specific purpose. Just as Saul was made for a specific purpose, he didn't even realize it. He had no idea what his goal was. He thought he was doing the right thing. And all the people that were with him, we see that Saul's followers, that we have no idea how many they were, but Saul's followers were dumbfounded by what was going on. They heard someone's voice, but saw no one. They knew that, they knew that something crazy was going on. And then they finally stuck around him and, and took him back to the place. But Saul was created for a very specific purpose. Christ says that that purpose was to take his word to the Gentiles. And by all intents and purposes, we are the Gentiles. We were not born Jews, many of us. We were you know, not born in Jerusalem. All of these qualifications and all of these things that were important back then are not important today or not as special today because we're the Gentiles and we have the message that Paul took to the rest of the world. Can you imagine if, if Saul just stayed there blinded, didn't listen to what God said, that we may not have this gospel today? This same guy wrote 50%, nearly 50% of the New Testament. Almost 20% of the entire Bible is written by Paul. This terrorist that we talk about, this terrorist that was at the presence of the stoning of Stephen, terrorist wrote 20% of the entire Bible. My question is, who are you getting in the way of seeing Christ today? What role do you have to play in someone else meeting Christ? Are you allowing this scale in your life to say, well, I'm not worthy, or everybody else is thinking, well, he's just on his high horse and he's, he's so good that I, I can't approach him or I can't approach her. Are you using this scale to keep you or to keep a loved one away from Christ? I was reading a, a devotional some time back and, and kind of what, um, what spurred this whole message on. And uh, the, the devotional was talking about our lenses and talking about um, you know, our, our vision and that sort of thing with Christ. And um, it, it led me to this, this next verse here. Go to verse 15, it said, but the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, so Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight 
and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So notice that, that Ananias doesn't take credit for himself. Ananias doesn't say, I'm coming to give you back your sight. He says, no, I came because the Lord Jesus told me to do that. I'm, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Verse 18, instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. Something like scales. And you know, they may have been talking about something like fish scales or alligator scales or whatever, but how true is this today? That we need to get these scales out of our eyes that are blinding us to see the light or blinding us to see the Savior. And just like Ananias came in the name of Jesus, I think it's the Savior that sets our sight straight. And even to make this even better, that Ananias found Saul, where did he find him? He found him on straight street. He didn't find him on crooked street. He didn't find him on sinful street. You know, I'm about to preach like Brother Jimmy did yes, last Sunday. You better watch out. He didn't find him on any other street but straight street. Scripture tells us that the way is straight and the path is narrow. Straight and the narrow path is where he found Saul in his darkness, in his desperation while he was crying out to the Lord and the scales fell off. So I had, uh, I had visions of grandeur for this little piece of equipment here. I was uh, asking Sherilyn, because um, she does all of the good things. <laughs> uh, I asked Sherilyn, I said, hey, can we get a scale? Like, can we get a, you know, a balance scale or something like that? So where did we go? We went to Amazon because Amazon's taken over the world. And we went to Amazon and she said, well, here's one for $4. I said, buy it. And I get this. I'm thinking it's going to be huge, you know, that, you know, I'm going to sit in one side, Rod's going to sit in the other side, and it's just all going to work out. Um, I had this, this level of grandeur in my mind. Um, and, and also in true form of myself, I, I was playing with this at home. Um, and so I'm just, you know, dropping things in one side and dropping things in the other side. I'm like, well, I wonder if, if is this heavier than this? You know, like a kid, literally like a kid. And every time that I would, you know, put more weight in the other side, I noticed that the opposite end would always point up. It didn't matter which way it went or which way, uh, you know, I had the balance so I could put the weight in, in the good things or I could, you know, put more weight in the bad things that this, this teeter-totter always pointed me in the direction of the answer. And that's towards Christ. That no matter where we put our weight, no matter where we put our importance, that this scale always points us in the right direction. And it was kind of funny that I was using these pennies. Uh, one, I just, I just had them laying around, probably in the washing machine. And we think of what we put our weight in and we think of these things as, as so much value and having you know, great importance, you know, this, this job that we have or this house that we have or the clothes that we wear or our haircut or our car, or all these things. We think that it has so much value, when in reality, these things are worthless. These things have 
have no value, have no bearing on society. They're literally trying to get away with, get away from pennies in general. They have no, no value. And these things that we place in our lives above Christ that really have zero, zero value. But we still do it. We still weight ourselves one way and then the other. Whenever Christ is saying, I want to set your sights straight. I want to set them straight. I want this to be balanced. I want to, to prove to you that I've done all the work. I've taken away the scale. I've taken away everything that you need to compare yourself against whenever I died on this cross. And then he spread his arms open wide and he's just like, hey, just, just come to me. Come right here to me. Like he's waiting to give you a big bear hug. And that's so true today as much as it was true yesterday, much as it was true whenever it first happened, that Christ is present and he's waiting for us to just say, you know what, I'm tired of comparing. I'm tired of, of, of waiting to do something incredible for you because of what I see other people do. Yeah, I'm never gonna be Stephen Furtick. I'm never gonna be Andy Stanley. I'm never gonna be those people. But if I keep waiting to be those guys to let God use me, then it's never gonna happen. If you keep waiting to be whoever you think you want to be, it's never gonna happen. Today is a day. And we may not have some beautiful altar, some uh, amazing time. We have some amazing singers and some amazing people in this place, but we also have an amazing savior. And there's no other time like right now to get rid of the scales. Pray with me. Christ, I consider it good to be here in this place. I'm in awe of your ability and your work through my own life and the, the work that you do in the lives of all of those that are around me. God, I thank you for this opportunity, not just to speak your words, God, but to hear your words spoken in my own life. God, I pray for those that are here in this place. I pray that it not be the words that I speak or the things that I say, but God, the words that you speak to their lives, God that they'll hear that in a way that can only come from you. It's something that's so powerful, so incredible, so genuine that it can't be man-made. It can only be God-made. God, be with us today. Be here in this place, not just present in the words that we say or present in the songs that we sing, God, but, but be present in us, around us, through us to where we can feel you here, right now. And it's in your son's name we pray.